this is Gen Z Gab. This is Sarah Gallagher here. And today I have my host. It says Dave Colombo, but it is not Dave Colombo. It is his amazing. Oh my God. Let me change that because I'll totally rename. Hold on. Well, you can fix that so quickly. There we go. Uh I added inversion. Like, that's where Patreon people can watch the full unedited versions of ourselves. But it's Laura High, the lovely sperm donor, baby adoptee advocate, um, granddaughter of a Holocaust survivor, and phenomenal comedian. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, I guess my first question is like, how did you find out? Because I know a lot of people follow you, but like, how did you exactly find out your origin story? Because I know you come from already like a Central Eastern European background, but then you found out you were also Central Eastern European Jew, which is still kind of the same, but kind of different, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no. Um, so yeah, I mean, we always, we always knew that I, cause like my grandfather is like a hundred percent Polish and we knew my grandmother had like this mixture of, um, European, but what at the time my parents, when I was made, cause I was made in 1987, I was born in 1988. And at the time, uh, parents were not allowed to really pick donors. That wasn't a thing that was available. You basically were just assigned donors. And what the clinics did was they tried to match donors to the dads as best they could between like hair color, eye color, ethnic background. Um, but the number one thing that the clinic uh, said that they matched before anything else was religion, which is like, <laughs> I know, I'm like, that's not how genetics work, <laughs> asshole. Um, it's, it's not. Um, now, my father is uh, he, he Christian and Irish and Scottish. Um, I do not look Irish and Scottish. I mean, like, you know, genetics can be obviously like, you know, you never know what genetics can do, but 30% Irish. This is not an Irish person look either. I saw my dad, you know, and that was always the thing that was just like, okay, we don't know what genetics are doing, but the older, as soon as I hit the age about like 11 years old, my Ashkenazi features really started to like come forward. Like you could, I mean, they really started to become prominent and I was around 11 years old was when I started getting asked, so you're Jewish. You're Jewish. I was literally referred to for, it took a while, like I had my best friend from childhood and her older sister kept asking her, how's your Jewish friend doing? (laughs) How's your Jewish friend? And she's like, what Jewish friend? Who are you referring to? And she was like, you know, your Jewish friend here that comes over all the time that you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer with all the time. And she was like, Laura, the girl who was in Catholic school? What? Exactly. And so, like, it started around then. Um, and then I was 14 years old. And and, and for anyone who's, who's confused, uh, Ashken- being Ashkenazi, Jewish is an ethno-religion. Yes. So it's, yes, you can, anybody obviously can be, can practice Judaism, but also being Jewish is an ethnicity. And there's so many different um, uh, uh, tribes, I believe. Yes, because the right yes, there's Sephardic and Mizrahi, and I'm slowly learning and more. Ashkenazi, which is what I am. Um, it's actually, it's fascinating. I'm still learning a lot about it, but just letting anyone uh, kind of confused sort of know that mm-hmm. uh, so I was 14 years old and we were in the car I was in the car with my dad and my dad just pulled a full deck because you know like how dads like have conversations in the car like if they're important because that way they don't have to look at you oh my, my dad like fully dadded out and he, he my dad is my dad is like the ultimate like 
boomer dad. Um, and he's just not looking at me. I love my dad. Let me just put it. I love my dad. He, uh, he's great. And he is like, Hey, and what he asks me, and I'm 14 years old was like, Laura, do you know how babies are made? Oh God. <laughs> and I am a sarcastic asshole at 14. I mean, my, my stand-up instincts are like coming forward already. Oh. And my immediate reaction was, yeah, dad, I've seen Skinamax. God. And now, this guy's Christian, right? Like, well, no, my, my dad is like technically Christian, but oh, like, okay. Like I wasn't sure what level. No, my dad's really an atheist is what he really <laughs> is. But, uh, he, he just, you know, at that time you had to be like, yeah, I guess like he was like, I was raised it, you know? know um he converted to catholicism to uh, marry my mother um so they could get married in the catholic church but yeah it would but my, my dad doesn't my dad doesn't give two shits um about religion I love that. I does not give two shits i love that yeah d- no not in the least bit um and yeah for anybody who's listening and doesn't know what skinamax is skinamax so it would be the equivalent of if i said Pornhub today skinamax was this thing that was on cinemax which was is that channel still around uh, yeah but i think it's not like stars or something like oh you're right autumn someone so you had to when you were having sleepovers and you would stay up with your best friend till midnight until you would wait until your parents go to sleep and then you'd watch cinemax oh my god you'd watch skinemax which was there which was it would turn into adult movies and of course like you know you'd be like scared that your parents would walk in um and that's what Skinamax was. Um, oh my God. But so, uh, and then my dad just looked at me and he was like, well, he's like, uh, I have a surprise for you. Oh and then told me I was a sperm donor baby. And for me, it was this, like, I, I sort of say that it was like, almost like seeing the matrix. Like it was, I, I knew something was up. I knew something didn't make sense. Like I was like, was I switched at birth, which didn't make sense because my parents had pictures of like giving birth to me in the hospital. So I was like, was I switched at birth, but I look like a carbon copy of my mother. Yes, like was- exactly. Because I was going to say that without interrupting fully, but I was like, I've seen your mom featured. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, this girl, even if she wasn't like, you know, Ashkenaz Jew, I'm like, she is full-blown Eastern Central European looking like her mom. Oh, yeah. I mean, my mom, absolutely. I mean, I look just like my mom. My mom looks so so much like uh, my grandfather who, and I mean, um, my grandfather's mother, my mom looks exactly like her. Exactly. Uh, so it, it's weird how genetics work. I get where that's where. Oh my God. Sorry. Genetics are I know. fascinating. And that's where like, I wanted to say and ask you the question about 23 and me and ancestry. When people find out or have always known that they're like a sperm donor or an adoptee, mm-hmm. do you think that they should give some sort of like free test out to everyone? Oh my God. Yes their real identity i i absolutely um i absolutely think that clinics should be absolutely sponsoring getting genetic testing done right now for donor conceived people they have fucked over uh, donor conceived people mm-hmm. um i mean in so obviously they told me that i was irish and scottish i wasn't i was ashkenazi jewish i'm half ashkenazi jewish half like literally the no joke when i first took the test it said that i was 48 percent ashkenazi jewish I double checked. Now it's at fifty one percent Ashkenazi Jewish. It went up. Um, oh, that does happen. Like it does happen. Your numbers do shift depending on the pool of people that they have tested. Exactly, because my dad 
dad, this is a little separate, but he, his parents are mostly a mix. They're mostly Irish, but they have French on both sides. So equivalently, he's like three quarters, yeah, quarter French. And then my mom's half French and half German mostly. But his went from 75 to like 95% like British Isles. Yeah. Then my grandparents are asking me, where's the French? And I'm like, you know what, people, because we found out this, that we have Huguenot ancestry on one side. Mm-hmm. They were forced out of France and they moved to Northern Ireland. There's no surprise that we're now showing up as more like that. Yeah. We're ethnically probably more the French, but that Ireland is the nationality. And he's also, yeah. his grandpa's from Ireland, so he got his Irish passport. So that's been very interesting. So that's why, but that's where I was just saying how it changes so sporadically. And then, and this is where I was going to say, do you feel like people of color or mixed ethnicity in these situations suffer the most because they probably aren't getting the right answers because of how the rules are designed? Ooh, that is a tough question for me to answer. Um, I I would have to really turn, I would, I would need to tag in somebody who really is BIPOC for that one. Okay, yes. Um, yeah, because that one, I, that one I'm, I'm out of my depths with that question. Um, uh, got you. I just thought, because you knew some stuff about the pools, I just thought maybe I could... I will... I mean, I can certainly say, uh, from a donor conception standpoint, the racial confusion that happens uh, with a lot of donor-conceived people um, is massive, uh, because donor-conceived people will think that they are one race growing up their entire life, and then find out they're not. Um, And that does create... And that, that wasn't, for me like you know that that's not the same thing for me but like I, I do know people who have gone through that and it's been very hard it's been very difficult they thought that they were one thing their entire life found out they were something else and that was it throws them now for me finding out that I was half Ashkenazi Jewish um, definitely had some, I mean, I'm so excited that I'm half Ashkenazi Jewish. It really like, I'm very proud to be part of yes. that. And I'm so that glad, group. I'm so glad that you cut, like that you can honor that and start to feel it more. And it kind of like makes things make sense more now, like for you. It does. Up. But this is something where it really actually put me in massive danger, not knowing that I was half Ashkenazi Jewish. Oh yeah. Um, uh, for anyone who can uh, see me right now or has seen me, I look very Ashkenazi Jewish. This is not a joke. This is not an exaggeration in the least bit. But the thing, so I'm also an actor. Yep. And what I have been called in the most for out of any role, the most for, I have been called in to play Holocaust survivor more than anything else. Like yeah. that is how much I look it. Like, cause casting directors are just instantly like, yep, yeah, no, she's the right. Um, and it, it's not an exaggeration. It's absolutely what I've been called. I totally, I'm, I'm in the business too. I mean, I don't have an agent or anything. I'm still kind of at that point where I'm just starting more professionally, but I have had professional credits. And this is the absolute truth because I've tried out for some sort of um, role last year for being Irish, like in an Irish like campaign for St. Patrick's Day. Literally, the casting director was like, you don't look it. Like they said, at this time, we won't be taking people like you and I'm like did you not see my last name yeah like did you not 
see my last name. Yes, I know. And nobody in my family besides like some very distant cousins have red hair and my family doesn't really carry that gene. And that's like the most surprising thing. Yes, I know that Celtic people, it's still kind of excruciating because you're trying to like make sure that you're not taking roles from other people or other ethnicities, other this or that because of, you know, you want to make sure that you're respecting other people. And yet it's like when the irony of you actually trying out for the ethnicity that you are. Yeah. And it's like the stereotype that goes along with it. Yeah. It's always a double-edged sword when it's, especially when it comes to like acting shit and God commercials. Oh my God. But, um, I'm sorry. So, but for me, not knowing that I was half Ashkenazi Jewish has put me in danger in a couple of different ways. One, being Ashkenazi Jewish, um, has some genetic health issues that you have to be aware of. Like, and that's like, there are many ethnicities where it's like, if you know that you're this, you need to get tested for X. That happens. So with Ash, being Ashkenazi Jewish, the fact that I didn't, and I've been told this by so many Ashkenazi people have been like, the fact that you didn't know is criminal. Yes. That put your life in danger. The fact that you didn't know. The um, fact that I, you were told that you were Irish. Here's the thing. When you're Irish though, you have to know too, like IBD, celiac, you name it. Like we have so many digestive issues from all the famines that happened. Yeah. Stuff. But I'm saying that like, you know, the you're right. Is the donor was told that you were like Irish so they could test you for all those Irish genes but you didn't have it I didn't have it but then also on a different way you know I look extraordinarily Ashkenazi mm-hmm. the fact that I was not taught at a young age that I need to be careful for anti-semitism oh, has also put me in danger a couple mm-hmm. of times there were times where I was absolutely 100% dealing with anti-semitism and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. I was put in a very dangerous position. Now looking back, I'm like, oh shit, what the fuck was I doing there? Like it was yes. um, it, it was absolutely dangerous for me to be in those places and yes, those people were treating me weird because I remember going like, why are these people treating me weirdly? And now looking back, it was like, oh yes, oh and I, I and it's like oh, and it really was, I need to be much more aware of these things mm-hmm. when I was younger. And I was going to ask because of how your grandpa was yeah. a Holocaust survivor. And as you know, we're coming up on December, which mm-hmm. is when a lot of schools do their their whole like section right before winter break of like the whole history of what happened, even though I don't think that you can fit it in in three weeks before and then take off yeah. like two weeks. But my thing was that and I I got blessed and I know I got the bare minimum like what should be considered the bare minimum but we did from 4th grade through 8th grade, ninth grade we did a section, we spent all of like November and December talking about why this was so important, like what mm. we needed to talk about and then I just wanted to know, did you growing up, I know your grandpa and I totally 100% understand why he wouldn't want to talk about it why yeah. he didn't share it with you 
again, I loved your grandpa's stories. And again, I lost my grandpa um, about a year before you did. And he looks so much like my grandpa. So I think just even though they were still totally different, it was just having that kind of my grandpa was a farmer and told like stories about growing up and all the things that he did that was like mischievous. Yeah, you know, but it just kind of like gave me a sense of grounding when I really needed it, if that made sense. So like, it just made that would have made him so happy to hear. That would have meant the I world to him. I loved him like so many others. But it's so weird because what I noticed is that when I started doing having to do genealogy stuff in seventh and eighth grade, ninth grade, and I focused mostly on my mom's side for the seventh and eighth grade stuff, he started telling me more stories of what our family did. Like one of his great great grandpas was Napoleon's bodyguard and oh. some stuff here and there. But we don't know if we Napoleon. And also, Napoleon was an asshole that got into people's business, really literally and figuratively. So I could unfortunately be a descendant, is what my grandpa said, which is a separate thing. But what I was going to say, touch we're, we're all related to to people who have done unsavory things. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's there's there's no one. OK, and I was that. just going to ask about your just your grandpa, though, with his own stories. How much did you know, you know, before your adult life about what your grandpa um, for me, and, and just in case there's any confusion, so this is my grandfather off of my maternal side. So this is the grandfather I grew up with. My grandfather is not Jewish. He is a Catholic Polish, and he was part of the Polish underground, part of the resistance. And then he was captured after um, the Warsaw Uprising and was sent to Auschwitz and Mauthausen. Um, my, I grew up, I think, I'm trying to remember when I first started learning. I mean, because I feel like it was always there. Uh, like, we went to Poland when I was four years old and like the Holocaust history was a part of it. But like, obviously I didn't go into Auschwitz. Right. No, um, no, no, I, no, I didn't go into Auschwitz at four years old. Um, but there were things that like I knew and I think that it was very appropriately explained to me as I got older. I definitely, when I was in middle school, I think that it was like, Oh, my grandfather was in the Holocaust. Like that was something I said, but I didn't really fully I don't think at middle school, I fully um, understood the full depth. I definitely didn't understand the full depth of it. I think going into high school was when I actually really understood the full depth of what my grandfather went to. I started really learning about it. Um, Cause I think that that's when I was first told in high school, like the torture he literally went through. Oh, I think I was told about the, the science experiments my great aunts were put through. I think that was when I started actually learning about it, but I didn't really learn about it from him. It was from other people because he oh, was yeah. to talk about it. And I totally understand that. Cause again, I remember in eighth grade going to the Holocaust museum, mm-hmm. like that was our big thing in Washington, DC. Like there were so many other things, but that was our big thing. And I think all the stuff you're saying like I was told and told and told but I also know because in schools they're also probably trying to make sure that it's the appropriate amount that they're teaching us and then yeah like because again by the time you hit eighth grade is when we read night like that was like when it started to fully hit me like what they were doing I think in middle school is when I, I did start more now I will say I never had any formal education about the holocaust oh I never had any formal education 
about it. Um, the first, I would say, formal class I ever had was an elective I chose in college. And it's something looking back that I'm just, I'm like horrified by. Yeah. Uh, for me, I do think that I really learned more about the Holocaust through books that I read on my own. Like I chose to read Number the Stars as a oh, kid. Oh, that was my fifth grade. We read it because it's, was, it's it was such a good book. If you ever are like, I need to like introduce my kid to the Holocaust. Yes. That Number the Stars. Crazy. They can do that in like absolutely like fifth grade, middle school. Right. That's they did that for me in fifth grade. Yeah, and that's I'm so grateful for now that I hear yeah. you talk about it because I mean, we got a little intro in fourth grade, but we didn't do much after that. Yeah. Like it was just like, uh, here's what happened. And the problem for me is because I also wanted to say that they were talking about disabilities and like I had a bunch of learning disabilities and I'm blind yeah. in my left eye. And you know how kids are shitty. Like, yeah. brain think. And then I remember in like sixth grade asking one of my teachers, like in my seventh grade, are you sure when we talk about this? Because people were just again, and it kind of was building up throughout years. I'm like, are you sure? Like, you know, all of us would be okay. Like some of us who have le- like disabilities, learning disabilities. And then the teachers just were like trying to keep everything like calm because kids yeah. were starting to, you know, disperse. And yes, we were in a Catholic private school and it's still so different, but they, you, I could tell like with how me and some other kids were asking these questions, teachers like really were trying to answer it to the best of their ability, but they were yeah. so shocked because I think for us, because we were the start of Gen Z and mm-hmm. before, like we were before then kids would just ask questions, but not really say anything. Whereas yeah. I think our generation and so on has probably asked a lot more of those scary, hard hitting questions. And again, what I was asking was completely different, but I think it just showed like to these teachers suddenly, oh God, we got to up our game a little bit. Yeah. And I, and I do think number of the stars is a really good, uh, a really, really good book. Um, I think that it is, it's, it's very easy for a kid to, take in it's a um but and it absolutely like i i feel like it's a very age appropriate because it, it definitely like it gets serious it gets serious this isn't sugar-coated no it gets serious um and i really do think that if you're fi- trying to figure out a way how do i introduce some, something else besides anne frank's diary or the diary of anne frank oh yeah that that was the first one we read yeah i, I mean i feel like everyone reads that and i and, and you should it's important like everybody should it, it should be required reading but if you want to do more number of the stars is a really great oh, option yes. as well mm-hmm. um, I recommend that for anyone and glad that you said that and glad that you've at least talked about yeah. that in the formal education that went along with it like or what lack of that you had it was it was a massive lack of education I, I definitely it was I did reading I also I mean for me I was heavily into theater heavily into theater so for for me, like I saw Cabaret for the first time when I was 12. So, uh, so no, you know what? If I, I remember 
watching Cabaret and understanding of what was going on, and I was relating it to my family's history. So I, I did know much more. So I, yeah. I don't think I'm, so I did know a lot by that point. Yes. I'm remembering but- having those conversations. And I remember even seeing the, the, I don't know if anyone remembers like the first X-Men with uh, Wolverine, like the first scene is Magneto. Oh, being, yes. I mean, we were being brought into like, um, I think it's Auschwitz. And Sorry. I remember going like, oh my God, that was the camp that my great, so like, I knew that at, that, okay. at 12 years old. So I, I actually, I did know more than I'm, I'm remembering at that age. And that's okay. Cause we suddenly start remembering more. Like I go off on tangents in my brain, like, wait, 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 I forgot this. Then I forgot. Then I remember. Then I remember. It's like just recalling things. And yeah. You're, you're, um, just in it. Like I'm saying like how much your family and your grandpa and you, like for a lot of people like me watching it, it was just so great to have that relationship and seeing his ability, willingness. Again, I follow Lily Ebert as well. Oh, she's great. I don't know. Well, I know, you know, I just was going to ask, have you talked to her ever or have? No, I've not talked to Lily. Um, uh, Tova and, um, Gidon are the two that I've been in contact with. Okay, cool. like those I just oh they're they're wonderful all um, of them are so great I cannot like they're I, doing such necessary work and exactly. it, it is something that people do not understand how in, like we are about to in a few more years we are going to lose every holocaust survivor like mm-hmm. they are all going to officially pass on and we need we need we need to make sure all these stories are preserved and while those remaining ones are still alive you you just you need to listen to them now you right. need to ask them questions like this is a once this is your last opportunity to do so and i was going to say that cuz i um again going back to the museum in Washington, D.C. Yeah. I met a woman who was in the same camp as Ellie Wiesel. Mm. She knew him. She knew him. Wow. And she, again, I I, I am the ballsy, um, again, ADHD kid that didn't really, like, I thought about my question, but I wasn't afraid to, like, ask a question. And this woman was like, just ask away. Like, I was, I actually think I was more nervous. Because, again, like, when you're, you're, like, coming out of the museum and then you see these amazing survivors survivors, these two yeah. old 80-year-old women who volunteer their time to talk yeah. to kids and adults from the ages of 11 and up. And suddenly it's like, I want to ask. And then it's suddenly like you have the adults in the back of your like minds, like you're trying to like fathom the right word. And then of course it's like the adults from your trip are also like, you need to ask a question. And I'm like, well, okay. Like it's such a delicate topic, but it's so important that you do get a chance to acknowledge that these people, you know, their history happening yeah. in our room and again it's quoting Hamilton in a lot of ways but it's true they are our living proof and they want to answer your question like again I remember the woman was like don't be shy don't be shy I do think a lot of the survivors are watching right now I think that they're very eager to answer questions right now 
um, because they're watching Holocaust denial, like, come back up. Oh, And they're just like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, my grandfather dealt with a lot of Holocaust denial when he came to the United States in the late 40s, early 50s. Like, he dealt with it so much then, but he is watching it rise back up again, and he, and that's why I think for him, he was like, okay, yeah, nope, I agree. I will come on your TikTok. Absolutely. I will do that. That's, yeah. I just wanted to give him a hug, honestly. He gave the best hugs. His hugs were so good. Oh my God. They were absolutely, he, he was definitely, he, he was six foot. So he was a tall guy. Um, now by the time he was on TikTok, he was a little bit more gaunt. He was a little thinner than what he used to be, but he was definitely like this big bear of a human. So he would just give these big old bear hugs that were just so wonderful. And I think that's why I loved him so much. Cause again, my grandpa was six, three, very gaunt. Like by the time he was, he was 87 almost. So again, it was like very similar kind of builds and height, but mm-hmm. it's like the bear hugs. Like they like try to be rough around the edges, but then at the end of the day, when you were like sad or something, they'd just be like, give me a hug. Yeah. I, he was such a marshmallow. Cause he would, he was like a burnt marshmallow. Cause he would be just like all crackled. Like he'd be, he would put off this tough burnt exper- exterior, but inside, oh my God, he was such, he was so ooey gooey. Oh my yes. such uh, an ooey. And going back kind of to the question beforehand about DNA, I know I'm jumping around, but uh, you had your husband do a DNA test because that is like a big deal, which I completely understand. But how likely is that to happen for someone? It's so like, I can't, I can't give you an accurate number. Um, I mean, it very easily has happened and people just don't know. Um, We have no sense of how many donors will exist in the United. We have no idea. There's no kind of national record. There's not an upkeep on it. And so we don't know. Now, there is a national record of how many children are born IVF, but not donor conceived. So we have no idea. And so many donor conceived people. And again, I don't know how many, but it is a large amount. Um, If I had to just act like just take a shot in the dark, I would say it's easily over half donor at this point over, I would say in terms of if I had to guess, I would say easily 75% of donor conceived people to this date that are still alive have not been told they're donor conceived or found at, or I should say were not told by their parents. They found out by accident. Oh, wow. And that's, where it goes into that Netflix documentary, Our Father, and why you are doing the siblings pod. And and the thing to keep in mind, because I know I'm sure people are going to be like, I can't believe it that much. I'm like, the doctors literally told parents in the 70s, 80s, and 90s not to tell your child that they're donor conceived. They're only really actively starting to tell parents like, yeah, you should tell your child that they're donor conceived. Now, it was not the case. Uh, We even have a donor conceived person that within their contract, it said, you're never allowed to tell your child their donor. So it's, that's why I'm like, at this point, I would say in terms of donor conceived people that are alive to date, 75% were not consciously told by their parents they found out acts um, or they still haven't been told. Um, I was one of the rare few that was told at my age group. Like that was, <laughs> I be 34 years old, was actively like and purposely told at 14 is so rare. Okay. So that in it itself. That within itself, and we're talking about the um, potential for uh, hooking up with a sibling means I can't tell you how probable it is. Um, there's just like, I can't, I can't make that guess, but it is, pro- but it, 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 there is a, let's just say this, there's a higher likelihood than we 
would become. We do know donor-conceived people who grew up uh, literally being next-door neighbors to their sibling and never knew. We know people who went to the same school, who were best friends for their sibling. We do know siblings who were matched on Tinder. We do know siblings who did date. We know that this happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very possible that there are donor-conceived people, who, donor-conceived siblings who are married and have the idea they're donor-conceived. Wow. That is absolutely possible. Or maybe one is donor-conceived and the other one is related to the donor. Also very possible. Wow. It's a lot, I should say, it's much more possible than we would become. Yeah. I wonder, just asking this, not that you've had any opportunities as much to connect with people from other countries. Be the sketchiest when it comes to these kind of... No. Uh, we're pretty bad. I mean, we're pretty, I'd have, I'll be honest. I can't, I can't, I don't feel comfortable genuinely saying, yeah, yes, we're totally the sketchiest. Okay. That's totally fine. There are countries who like, so at least one of the things that we do is we allow both known and anonymous donations. Okay. We allow both. The majority is anonymous, but we do allow both. There are some countries where they do not allow unknown donors. That is absolutely illegal. So that obviously like, okay, that's, that's pretty bad on the fact that they don't even allow that. But I don't know in terms of like, do they have regulations in terms of like how many, is there a cap on siblings in those countries? Do they have to verify medical records? Um, We're certainly one of the sketchiest countries, but I don't know if we genuinely hold the title for number one. Wow. And that's, yeah. And it's kind of eye opening. So yes, aside from all that drama, but is so the siblings pod, I just want to ask, is that going to be an actual podcast or is it just like... Like, like people you are bringing together uh, at the moment yeah it's not going to be a podcast but yeah it, uh, but i don't know i i definitely like i won't lie i've thought about doing a podcast i don't know if we actually will uh, maybe but yes um it is a sibling pod refers to a the group of donor conceived siblings um who are like you know all half siblings from that particular mm-hmm. how and you've talked about meeting some of your donor siblings or half i have not met any of them yet uh we plan to as soon as we can was wondering about that because i just when i'm trying to keep up with all again the tiktoks i wanted to make sure and clarify that because but yes i love again the work you're doing is amazing i tried to send an email to those people to vote like the other day and i kept it really i i genuinely i i'm very lucky that the the community that i have um i've i've sort of like i don't know what, what, what the right word is but like foster or or like i've been lucky grown grow what the um online are i i love i love the community my fo- the the followers that i've got are fucking great like literally every time i think you you were genuinely i want to say you you started following me easily when i had under ten thousand followers well yeah because here's the thing like i want i came across your paint because I followed so many other comedians and I was working for a comedian's podcast at the time. Yeah. And then I saw yours and I followed Dan Povenmire. This was how like it was, how it was, how it came about. I had been just following you. Then Dan Povenmire, who just got on TikTok, I followed him after he stitched your video on you complaining about the life of being. And by the way, he's actually liked a few of my comments. And I'm like, you know what? I am on top of the world. Like I, anytime Dan Povenmire, if you're listening, not that you 
you are. You created my childhood, which you know that with Phineas and Ferb, you created that childhood for Gen Z. Uh, as a side note, uh, after he, because he stitched me because I was saying that like a pilot of mine got basically like hanged and he stitched me and was like, don't give up. You're doing great. And like, he, he was, he was so sweet. He's so sweet. Messaging. And he was like, would you like to, because I, I was like, my, my, my pilot is getting another chance to get pitched. And he offered, he was like, do you want to hop on Zoom and I can talk to you about what, like, I can, you can ask me questions. I can give you tips in terms of like how to talk producers. So I talked to him for about an hour and he was the advice he gave me was like so sound and he was just so generous with his time and I was like it's uh, I was just so blown over by like his willingness to be like yeah I will totally help here you go I understand where you where you are right now let me give you the tools that like I I wish somebody had told me and I was so grateful that I was like because that's very rare oh my gosh yeah person on the internet you need some help here you go I had started on TikTok actually more 2019 2018 was when I did the like joke of like the making fun of TikTok, you know, like the lib. Oh, no, I, I 100% like my roommate was on TikTok and I was like, what the fuck is this stupid? <laughs> and then finally I was just like, maybe I should, then enough of my friends who were stand-ups like were doing well and getting work off of it. Then I was like, okay, maybe I should stop like making fun of it. Yeah. Started like my first video, I think was like December 30th or 31st of 2020. But then, like, so I actively started in like January 2021 and I got very lucky. My first video like popped off immediately. Well, yeah, because you are hilarious. And uh, I was, I, I was very surprised though on how cool. Yeah, I have had yeah. followers in two weeks. I know. I have had to work obviously hard, but again, TikTok is the only platform I've literally grown. Um, I don't know if that's been the same with you, but you know, I've been on it for nearly four years, you know, give or take. I really actively started doing things during quarantine and started duetting and making like jokes off of other people who have since become big time influencers. Uh, I would say for anybody, it's like, I I got very lucky with TikTok immediately. I did. But that's because I bailed for 10 years creating content beforehand. I was creating content since I was 24, 23 on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram. Like I've been trying to for 10 years. Exactly. And I started when I was 18 on YouTube. I was being... Videos of me being an like absolutely horrible shit, (laughs) absolutely bombing like crazy. It took me a while to figure out like how does this work. And by the time I and so I watched TikTok and I was like, oh, I get it. Okay, short form, understand, cool. When I got on it, I understood, and I do think it was it it was literally just because I had ten years of experience of doing horrible. That's literally it. And there's plenty of proof of me absolutely failing miserably. If I start. Me starting on TikTok was the very first time me trying to do, make content. It would take me 10 more years to figure out how to do. So, that, yeah. But that's why I, I think I got lucky. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, what's like your best advice for people like sort of in my kind of age group using the platforms to try to, you know, engage or just kind of starting out? May, well, well how, what age group are you in if you don't mind me asking? Uh, yeah, no problem. I'm the old Gen Z. I just turned 25. Yes. So let's get a car now. <laughs> yes. I turned 25 on November 21st. The only
only time like that I ever yeah. I ever said to my mom I said to my mom because I used to be such a optimist about my birthday like I don't know why but then the past couple years with COVID and everything have happened here's the thing the last which I'm not surprised like my 21st birthday was my last really fun birthday but my 22nd like I still had fun suddenly everything like I graduated a semester early from college which was good for the whole COVID thing but then COVID just knocked everything down where it's like that's why my podcast is me usually ranting for an hour about how hard it is to get a job how hard it is to try to make your life come true and how different it is living at your parents house even though it's good to save rent money but that you're slowly turning gray you need to do what you got to do right now absolutely um, right. there's no shame in that in the least bit right now it, I, I i cannot imagine i mean it was it was already hard economically when i graduated from college um i cannot imagine right now graduating from college i, I, I can't like it's just like no 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 there's go go live with your parents absolutely. yes exactly and that's good and i like hearing it from someone like you because even though you know we're like nine ten years apart but we you went through the recession when i was like a baby still I, I was the recession was happening while I was in college and post college and, and post college I would say for the first two years um, post college the recession was definitely still actively happening I remember like my mom's work was like she was in massive jeopardy as well and, and I remember the housing market was still at that point like really horrible um and so like that was a very very big problem when I graduated um but, and that was scary I remember we were all actively scared graduating Not, nothing compared to what it is right now. oh yeah and the thing is like when I I say like I was a baby well I was 11 and I'm little miss me 10 or 11 just thinking oh people would talk about the recession and my brain goes what exactly is this and then it, you walk in and see like all the stuff being online like the money mad money guy you see CNN on they want you to still stay naive and it's like how can I stay naive when you have CNN and mad money on in the background um but here are the here here are, here are suggestions that I would have for everybody um, who are trying to dabble in content creation. Um, I will say, and now this is now for me at 24, 25 years old, I was in a very different mental place than I am right now. Um, and I will say, and this is, and this is just me. There's no way that I could be doing what I am doing now. And I was 24, 25. There's, there's no way mentally I was in that right. Okay. Um, I just, I could, but what I will suggest is fuck trends, fuck, fuck trends, ignore it. Just no, 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 no. Fuck trends. That's, that's my motto. Fuck trends. You need to figure out there. There is only one of you. There is singularly one. What do you bring to the table? That is just only you can do. What is the thing that is the magic elixir of you? Because you have it. There is only one of you. What is the thing that you can talk that you can create that only you are able to do. What is it? And just figure and figure out what that is. And it needs to be something that you can talk uh tell you're blue and I, I can talk about donor conception till I am blue in the face. Like I I can just do it. And exactly. Have stand up. Like I have all of that. Um but I can talk about but donor conception definitely is my need. Well, donor con the fact that I can talk about donor conception in a funny way is mm -hmm. that is my niche. Nobody else is doing that. There isn't a single human being I I am literally it. And that's phenomenal. Again, I loved how you did your uh, donor baby ask a question. You literally dressed up. Oh, yeah. I dressed as a sperm. It was 
the best. I found a sperm costume, best purchase I made on Amazon. Figure out what it is. Uh, figure out what that is. What is the thing that you can do that nobody else can do? What is it? And that you can do, uh, yeah, that, that would be my, my first thing. Um, I would also always advise people that, um, and this would be something that I know that I would screw up heavily at the age of 24, 25 <laughs> is, um, I just, and again, this isn't all 24, 25. No, but you're making me feel a lot better because I am one of those who thought I'd have my life figured out way more. My life was a mess at 24, <laughs> well, not even a little bit. I complete mess at 24, 25. Absolutely. I, uh, at 24, 25, what was I doing? I mean, I was trying to break into acting and I was not succeeding at all. Um, I think it, it yeah, was not succeeding. I was still like my day job was a nanny at that time I was I don't think I had gotten pay, maybe I'd gotten paid five dollars for stand-up once at that point wow. um I even active, I don't even think I was like actively really doing stand-up that I think I was doing a little bit um yeah no so it's yeah it, it, you know you you don't know what the, this whole thing that you have to have your life figured out by the age of 28 and if you don't you're a failure is absolutely ludicrous no did not have anything put together by the time I was 24 no you're that's just so I, I just wanted to say again so much relief I have my master's degree in community communications as well just so that like I thought it would help me more with content creation and then suddenly like this stuff happened is like where I'm saying I would practically get really comfortable with an editing software, whether what no matter what that is, whether that is an I'm, iMovie is great. Honestly, iMovie for content creation can work really well. Um, if you can do Final Cut, Adobe, um, I, have, <laughs> I use Final Cut. Final Cut is honestly, once you get really comfortable with it, it is the easiest thing ever. If you have iMovie, Final Cut is the easiest transition to do yeah. because Final iMovie is a watered down version of Final Cut. Exactly. Yeah. If you have a Mac and you've been using i um iMovie, get Final Cut. Um, mm-hmm. it, you will transition. You understand the interface super easily, so that would just be something I would do. I would uh, obviously, if you're doing content creation, I would invest in a couple of lights. I would invite invest in a, in a little mic. Um, I would do that. I, I you know you can do um obviously daylight is your friend. Maximize on daylight. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would also do is watch the content creators that you really like. Watch the ones that you're like, I love what they do. That's what I'd like to do something like that mm-hmm. and not getting middle and end listen to their initial hook their opening line listen to their closing line look what they write as the caption watch how they continue how are they able to continue make you making you listen what 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 is it about that watch how they frame themselves in their video watch how they edit watch how they their camera movement their angles watch how they do it everything is very specifically chosen it all is i've talked to some other uh, bigger creators than me and it's all specifically chosen everything from the movements that they do from the angle it's all a choice this is not an accident it's made to look natural it is not it is all a very specific choice watch how they do all of it and then do not steal their material but replicate their camera move yes. replicate the angles that they're using Re- figure out like what is their like how do they do that and then that to get you kind of started and put your own ideas into that and then from there you'll figure out your own shit yes exactly because i was gonna say that one of the things i've started to do is reaction to a clip from a tv show pop culture stuff and that has really worked for me but again 
people, the more I get recognition for it, the more you realize how much people though. And I will just say this, I'm used to it because my eyebrows are amazing. Don't get me wrong. And my expressions, but people love to take me down on like my facial expressions. And you know what? I am doing this not where I'm over-exaggerating. I am literally getting record and watching the clip as you speak. Like where, yeah, people can say I look scary or that I'm overworking it, but it's like, okay, well, I can't control my face and it's your own problem. Honestly, like I, I, it is how, what people write on the internet is, is downright terrifying. It really, it, and what it's, one of the things that I, I found was people level death threats so easily and quickly now. Like, yeah. um, And one of the things that I I have realized, and it took me a little bit of time to figure this out, people genuinely on the internet now do not understand the difference between giving uh, genuine, like, helpful criticism versus bullying. Exactly. No, that, and I'm from the cyber bullying generation where we had so many talks about it. We had Ask FM. We had, like, the seniors were talking to freshmen about cyber bullying, which was fine. And I'm only putting it in air quotes is because like the school made these seniors talk to these freshmen at a private school, like about it, even though they talked about bullying themselves. And even though I could tell, like it was the most wasteful of time, hypocritical of time. Cause you know, that some of these people um, obviously maybe didn't do that stuff, but it's like, you know, that people are willing to do that now right behind with TikTok and stuff. It, it really is. And it's, it's something where I do want to like, cause this is a nuanced thing where if you are going to do, I mean, if you're going to do anything public, right, you are going to get bullied and it's going oh, yeah. to work. What people are going to say things that you can't believe a human being would utter to another human being. Yes. It's going to happen and you do have to be ready for it. That isn't something though that we should normalize. No. Be called out. And it's like, and I do pick particular lines and particular comments where I'm like, okay, this is a good, this is a good moment for me to like tack back. Now, again, luckily for me as a stand-up comedian, I deal with heckler. Like, yeah, I was going to ask how's the di- what's the difference between while i'm on stage like so for me i look at it as their heck so i yes. like i need to now make them the butt of my joke that is how i deal with hecklers and that's how i deal with cyber bullies and that's how i deal with trolls um and it is it is it is absolutely it is so interesting what people think is okay to say online um and it, it is it's bad i mean i get i haven't gotten a death threat in a while um uh, but I, I have gotten many i mean i deal with anti-semitism yes that, and that, I deal with. that is again we need to just not normalize no and i deal with the one that i find the funniest though and i am i'm writing stand-up about it, is um ageism i deal with ageism a lot which i find to be the funniest i mean all any kind of like i would say prejudice is mm-hmm. so stupid ageism though i think is a particular kind of stupid because we all age right age like what are you all doing like you are just continuing the thing that eventually is going to eat yourself like i don't it's so fucking weird to me and it is weird because again you look young i look young like i would go like where i was i was talking to my acting coach where she's like okay not that you because there was a 15 to 25 year old part she's like i don't think you could play 15 and i completely understand she's like do i think you could play 17 to 25 yes but the thing is that i was getting called old by a family member 
remember because I turned 25 years old and suddenly they're like, you are so old. And it's like, it's suddenly stuck to my head for the first time in my life. And it's like, you know what? This person and I have, I put up firm boundaries with them, but it's just like, I know that you're saying it in the sense you can't believe how old you are, but don't start this ageism stuff when I'm already having a quarter life crisis. Yeah, ageism is, is genuinely, I, I do think it's one of the dumbest things. I, I do think it's so stupid. Especially because men can do whatever they want. And I'm not trying to like touch on this because, but a great example is the Adams, Wednesday Adams, the new show, like where they talk about Gomez, like even looking like the more usual, where he doesn't need to look like this, like Catherine Zeta Jones and Angelique. Uh, Angelica Houston. Or just, where they were like the, the like beauty, the dark, the beautiful beauty, the raveness. But the thing is that even though those women were still in their 50s like you know the guys who played Gomez those guys could be more like 50 whereas these guys have to pull off like that they're in their 40s or something so I just wanted to ask have you noticed that I mean when it comes to I mean if you what I would suggest to everybody is look at sitcom families throughout the year watch all of them um it's always like and and I mean really watch like the sitcom families from like the 80s and 90s and early 2000s it's typically a woman who is a size two, a size four, mm-hmm. a size six mess. Matt, actually, a size six would be considered her overweight friend. Right. It would, she's usually a size two, size four. Uh-huh. And then she's married to a more overweight husband who is more, I would say, unconventionally attractive. Right. Unconventionally attractive. Um, and then she usually has a sister or a friend who's considered the weird overweight friend who is like a size six, a size eight. Right. And that's exactly where it messed with people like me who's near five nine. Oh. And, and watch how often it, it, it is so it, watch it I mean yeah. it's like the, like what we think like family guy yep. based off of a stereotype between Lois and Peter Griffin yes exactly they did the same thing with the Simpsons they did the same thing with the Simpsons oh yeah no Simpsons absolutely that's based off a stereotype off of all of these um like nuclear family TV shows and because it was it is acceptable for a man to be overweight it's acceptable for a man to be not conventionally attractive um, but it is, but it was not ever acceptable for a woman to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you again, you see it, and that was always something very subliminal in all the TV shows. Again, watch all the TV, watch all the family sitcom. You, it's so. I'm trying to remember all of their names. I mean, I uh, like uh, still standing. Yeah. Um. Oh my god, I know still standing would have been one of them. Um, Modern Family was the first time, like, where it was actually like people were still, even though Sofia Vergara is still like like a smaller size. She was the first like where um I would say like more fuller figured. And- was, but I mean like she's still considered I mean Sofia Vergara is still, like <laughs> an absolute model of a human. Right. You had Julie Bowman who is like just, you know, again a size two blonde. Right. And Julie Bowen has talked about how, you know, they made jokes like about her and Sarah Hyland like looking like a boy, like or a cardboard stick in the show. And she said it 
she learned to not really care because Julie's like a runner and she also has like ace maker. She's talked about all this stuff, like the health, some of her health problems that not inherently went with her, you know, size, but you know, it's kind of like how her and Sarah Highland are suddenly, it wasn't like that they weren't like viewed as beautiful, but it's like, yeah. no, they played up the whole thing with like her versus Gloria. Yeah. And it was, it was really, it, it was so weird because uh, Julie and Sophia are, those are two of the most conventionally attractive. Exactly. People. They are absolutely stunning individuals. But yeah, no, uh, women either have to be on TV or movies a size two, or they have to be um, extremely overweight. Seeing a mid-sized woman is like a very, very rare. This Is Us is another prime example. And no, it, it really is. It's just very apparent subliminally what you are told in. And I'm, I would be considered more mid-sized. Yeah. Um, and I was a very overweight child. Um, and it was very, very much told to me, like, what you are is not okay. It is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I was even told when I was in acting school, they were like, Laura, you either have to gain 50 pounds or you have to lose 30. And that's what I like about... Have to do that. Yeah, this is where I was just going to say one of the people I've slowly started to follow. If I don't know if you know her audition pro LA, you need to follow her. She is changing the game. She is a former casting director, but she has gotten me into contact with like my new coach. I wanted to take her class, but like busy in this time of year, but she totally changed the game. Instagram or TikTok? Oh, she is though just uh, audition pro LA, but she just, I wanted to say for all those young people out there, she, she went to theater school. She talked about the same stuff and she just said how you don't need to change your size. Like This is like the game changer, which that shouldn't be the game changer, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, but we're wrapping up here, but I was so grateful to have you. And, thank you, and I uh, no, thank you for having me on, but um, really, it's the biggest piece of advice that I could give for anybody who's in your age range is I want, God, I just want to give everyone in your age range a hug. <laughs> thank you. I do feel like, I mean, every, I feel like every age group has, feels all this pressure that they have to succeed while they're young. And I just, I'm watching you guys go through it right now. And I just want to let you guys know, like, guys, go fuck up. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. Cause that makes me feel so much better. And you said, um, just quick before we end, just don't be so hard on ourselves. Is that the best way to? Yeah. Don't be hard on yourself. You're going to fuck up. Do you think right now, particularly you guys have grown up watching teenage influencers make millions of dollars by the time they were 16 years old? And I think that, I do think that that really was at a detriment. Um, oh, yes. Um, and I, and I've noticed that. And it's, and I, and I do think that that, that, that is something very particular to your generation. Whereas that was a once, one in a million kind of case where somebody could do that. That is not the normal thing. We need to normalize you just having a normal timeline, which is you fuck up in your 20s. You fuck up so much and it's beautiful and it's poetic. You have to give yourself room to fuck up so that you can actually start. One, you can learn who you are Mm -hmm. at the age of 20 years. You're not going to. Okay. Uh, You're not going to know who you are. Who who you are, one, it changes and it morphs. Like you got to be tested. You got, and I know, and this isn't to say that you aren't tested and you haven't, like, I went through shit also when I was a teenager, but when you are put in a adult atmosphere in your twenties, yeah, shit gets very different and you, things are very different and you really do, your morals are tested, your ethics are tested, um, and who you thought you are gets tested. Oh, yes. I can attest to that as I'm halfway through my twenties. Again, I say to myself that I think, you know, you're trying to keep up and trying to like make connections all those things it's really actually 
like you said, detrimental because you think and that people aren't what they seem and they can all say that, you know, they're not like other people, but then you realize, um, no, everyone's, you know, chasing these people who, you know, blow up or even like have like that solid hype house group. You realize how much of their stuff, like now there's secrets coming out that you're like, okay, I'm glad I wasn't actually, you know, as attached. I will say, and that this is something where a big piece of it is as we have this immense need to succeed and hit all these milestones in our 20s, a lot of people themselves to make these choices, to make these commitments and to do these things in their 20s that they actually really shouldn't be. Yep. They're so intent on, I have to do this, I have to succeed. And then you end up finding out in their 30s, like actually miserable, made those choices. Like they may have gotten into a marriage too soon. Uh-huh. Took the job that was, that they really didn't want to do, but they felt like, but this is going to put me in the right space to do all this other shit that I want to do, but it's not actually what I want to do, but I mm-hmm. have to do this. Um, or they are um, going to sign away to maybe an agent or a manager who is going to take full advantage of that. Uh, there's just so much shit. And I and really, I do think as a society is um, to let go of those expectations and to allow in the same way, we kind of like are like, let kids be kids. Yeah. Let 20 year olds be 20 year olds. Okay. That's good. Because again, like I said, I'm slowly starting to see where like the imposter syndrome is getting to so many of the 20 year olds and these other people. And then they're hanging out with the young like influencers becoming besties, all that stuff. And when I see that, I'm like, then it's funny how they even talk about the curation that happens along with it. But, you know, it's starting to be like, okay, you are also hyping them up when they could care less about you. And I think that there's a lot of people like in my age group that are just trying to get to the level they think they need to be, like you said. Yeah. And I, as somebody who listens to a lot of the things that are going on in the background, I will say that there are a lot of influencers who uh, fucking just lie. I'm yep. great up lie. Don't like, t- t- don't be very, very careful on who you listen to. And th- and, and I put, put me in that category as well. Do not just believe me offhand. Do not do that. <laughs> this is why I love you so much because you're just... I, I mean, like, yes, I try very hard to be a trustworthy person. I try. Right, I get that. But the thing is that this is, but I'm saying this is why I like you, though, because you at least admit, though, that you have some faults. Like, again, I was brainwashed, like, a, like many people into thinking that, like, these influencers, you know, are still, like, good people. And I'm not trying to be mean by saying that. Like, again, you, people don't need to listen to me either or take my word. I'm just saying that, you know, they've even talked about the people who have burned them but they're constantly still burning other people and i think when again you're 15 to 30 and you're trying to make it in this you know weird world i think we all fall into that trap and again the same thing is like people still defend david dobrik i've had to unfollow him and all that stuff unfortunately because he was one of my favorites but he is not a good dude I have no idea who that is because I I'm, I'm not I I did I just love this I have no I'll I'll go look it up after that but yes but I just am so thankful but I'm glad that we had these conversations because again I think that your insight is gonna be great for not just people like me but just everyone and the fact that you're so real about just fuck up oh, is so please well and I I do think that. I think when you're give your generation 10 more years, I think what's going to happen is you guys are going to get to 30 and you're going to go, oh, 
my life didn't suddenly end. I'm not the crypt keeper. I'm suddenly not this like bumbling old idiot. Like I actually still have value. I actually have have a bit more confidence in myself. I know what I'm doing. I'm a little bit more, I'm comfortable. Like you will, when you turn, and this is something I, t- I was told because I was terrified about turning 30. And then I was told that and I was like, I don't believe it. And then I did. And I was like, oh, actually it, it's very true. Um, you, what you guys are going to do, and this is, this is my guess and hold me to it. My hypothesis is y'all are going to give you 10 years. Y'all are going to get in your thirties. And then I think what's going to happen is because you guys really were the first genuine generation that was raised by the internet. Oh yes. Had it, but in a very different way than you guys were. Like I was, I always had a computer. I always had a computer. I do not know a time when I didn't have a computer. Well, I think the, the, the fact that you guys were dealing like, like I, I did, like I had AOL chat rooms. Like I, I don't remember those because I didn't have one. In elementary school, like I did have AOL chat rooms. I had MySpace, and I was there for the invention of Facebook. Like I, I was there. But when it was happening, like Facebook, I was already old enough that it was like a bit more of a healthier lens I had on. Mm-hmm. If I was eight right now, and this oh eight Gen Alpha, don't even get me started on those kids. Fuck no, that I can say, but I think what's going to happen is when you guys become like in your 30s and you're really actually like able to it by the time you're 30 really have a genuine reflection on how this has all affected you guys the changes that you guys are going to be able to do um i think is going to be beautiful i think that you guys are really going to be the ones who are going to actually genuinely have the conversations about cyberbullying um in a very very real way uh better than my generation can because again just we we were um we we just came in at the tail end of it mm-hmm. um, and then we sort of just have a different perspective on it i think that you guys are going to do really great things because also you're the generation who was really raised with influencers oh yes and again it was like how are these kids so much younger than me doing this and then you realize money but at the same time oh. but i i do think that give your yourselves 10 more years and the stuff y'all are going to do is going to be amazing. You just need a little bit more time like every other human being. Um, Give yourselves the time. You will get there. You are uh, one one piece of advice that I was given was you don't succeed until you are ready to. Okay. And that was such a good like that doesn't mean like you sit on your butt and you don't do anything like obviously actively be be working towards your goals. But you're not going to succeed until you're meant to. You're not going to succeed until you're able to. And I know that the only way that I have been able to find the success that I have had at this moment is because I, I can absolutely say like, there's no way I could be handling what I have right now when I was 25. There's no way I would have fucked it up so many times. I would have, it would have been horrible. It would have been awful. I wouldn't, I would have been very, very bad. I can only do it because of the um experience that I have at this point. That's the only reason. Yeah. So I can see why so many people in my age group when they get some of that fame it goes to their head and they completely oh there have been a lot of times where i've had to stop myself from doing stupid things at the age of 34 like i, I, I have I have 500,000 followers. You say it like that. That's why I just wanted to say that again. No, it absolutely goes to your head. It's gotten to my head multiple times where I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then I realized, for God's sakes, Laura, (laughs) you are no one. What the fuck are you? (laughs) 
you know better that and then i'm like oh yeah that's right i'm i'm with laura like give it a break and yes because like you do it does have this like and i i'm like and i can't imagine having millions of followers uh-huh. like i have five hundred thousand followers it does go to your head and you do actively have to humble yourself oh yes and at the age of 24 and again this is just me i would not have been able to do that i'm only able to do that because i'm at 34 and i understand the consequences and i also have had life humble me enough times oh yeah plenty again why so many of us are comedians or go into that field because life humbles us constantly (laughs) it humbles you and it's and you have to take that and and when life humbles you when you have those it's you learning how to accept that accept that lesson and grow from it in a positive manner and not getting bitter um but yeah no and i will absolutely admit it there have been times where i i i have that instinct where i'm like oh i'm getting full of myself but due to my experience i've been able to catch that before i've been able to make a mistake and i'm also very lucky that i surround myself with people who if i don't do that oh they're gonna do that for me i have a very good support system around me who if i ever act out of line i have such good friends and family who would call me on my bullshit immediately and that would be another piece of advice is surround yourself with people who are healthy for you good yes genuinely healthy follow your gut on that awesome so thank you so much for being on here it was great talking to you and learning all your insights be sure to check us out see you soon